DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Time to welcome in Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Dan, good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Good. We are curious as the NBA resets. How many things are going to be real and how many things are going to be goofy because this whole year is just bizarre. They're doing the best they can, so don't criticize it, but the bubble's weird. Or, hey, just look at the standings. It's the Lakers, it's the Clippers, it's the Bucks. It's a three-way fight for the title. Everybody else wants to get as deep into the playoffs as they can. You know, I think there's far more room for variability this year than a typical year because of everything that's happened, a long layoff, uh, you know, some players uh, might still be dealing with effects of coronavirus even if they're on the floor uh, you know they lost training time they lost training time while quarantined when reporting to the bubble uh, when players are away for what would normally be a a quick absence maybe for a birth of a child you go for a day to experience that now you've got a quarantine when you come back to so all these things that can make this wonky uh, but on the other hand I was relatively surprised with the seating game or excuse me the scrimmages uh, of how high the level of play was. It looked normal. And so that makes me think, you know, going into the seeding games, going into the playoffs, maybe this will be a little bit more normal than we expected. When you speak of normal, I actually think it might be, in a sense, better than normal because so much attention is going to be focused on what we're about to have happen, particularly when we get to the postseason and with the social issues that the players want to be a part of, that's going to draw attention. And then they know that they're going to be in the postseason here pretty soon, so it's going to have an inordinate amount of attention, and players love attention, particularly if it's positive. So I'm thinking that the stars, particularly LeBron James, is going to be even more excited, and we're going to see more of him. And maybe we can argue, even though at his advanced age, we're going to see the best of LeBron, certainly the best that he has to offer. That's what I think. How would you respond to that? So as far as the attention, I think when, for NBA players, when they're in it, it's close to feeling maximized. Like from the outside, you might say, yeah, I'm paying more attention to the NBA uh, than I would normally because you know, there aren't other sports going on. Like, you know, a lot of times I might split my attention, watch some hockey uh, but now I'm all focused on the NBA because that's back first. Like, it, it might be that to some degree from the outside, but I think from the inside, players are just used to what they consider maximum attention. They already believe that everything is about them. Uh, as far as stars playing more, I think it'll go the other way just because of the training. You know, having this long hiatus, it's hard to train. It's hard to be in full game shape. So I think it's the opposite. I think depth is going to matter more this year than usual. I don't think stars are going to be able to handle those huge minutes in the playoffs uh, like they often do. They'll still play a lot. You know, I don't think it's going to be crazy low, but I think just a little bit lower than a normal year. We always hear that travel takes a lot of people out of uh, players, and certainly you travel in your personal life and you're tired when you get there and all that. Are we going to see a higher level of play because these guys aren't flying, or could it be there and we just don't notice it because it cancels it out because it's the same for both teams? Neither one of them are flying. Right, exactly. It's hard to see. It's hard to tell. And then the flip side of that is, no, they're not flying, uh, but they're also playing games more frequently. Uh, it's more of an every-other-day situation, which isn't always the case in the playoffs. Oftentimes there's an extra day of rest because of the travel. So I think those things are most likely to cancel out, but who knows? We've never seen anything like this. It, that's why I say it's so unpredictable, uh, because we, it's just so unique. I mean, it's, it's never been anything like this. Such a long hiatus, the longest in-season hiatus ever before this was like a week. And this is, 
you know, months and months. Whether it's Portland getting their guys back healthy or maybe the Sixers who had a lousy road record and now there are no home and road games, do you see this layoff and this situation that we have benefiting any teams? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, the, the first answer is going to be yes. Uh, the second answer is I'm not sure exactly who. We can see the signs, right? I think it's there for Portland with their players getting healthy, although they still don't have a, a credible small forward. I don't count Carmel Anthony as that, even though he overachieved as more of a power forward. Uh, so I'm not sure how much it's going to matter to get a couple of bigs and Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back. I think uh, the 76ers still are that same high-ceiling, low-floor team. But I, I think there's probably a team out there that has done an exceptional job of staying in shape. That their players, maybe coincidentally, maybe randomly, just happen to have better access to the home gyms during the hiatus. Uh, maybe happen to be players who are better at self-motivating. Uh, you know, a skill that they don't often need during the season when they're around their, their teammates, when they're feeding off each other, who are just better at being driven when they're alone. And that team is going to be in good shape, but I don't know who that is. But I do think, yeah, between 22 teams, one of them probably fits those conditions. So of the, the let's say the, you got the three favorites that we all acknowledge we've got to keep an eye on. Is there a team that you think is built for this, a team you're keeping your eye on, a team like this team really could break through? Well, I, I like the Rockets as the championship dark horse, and I, I thought that even before the hiatus, and I'm not sure if I feel any more or less strongly about it now because of the hiatus, but they, they play such a distinctive style going to small ball. They have the stars in James Harden, Russell Westbrook. They're complementary players like P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington. They fit the scheme. It works well for them, and it just disrupts what better teams want to do, what all teams want to do. You know, you can't really play your traditional style against the Rockets. They're used to that. They're used to putting their imprint on the game. And so, yeah, they're the type of team I look at that has enough talent, that has something a little funky to them that could, uh, that could surprise some people. How about the Nuggets with the much skinnier Jokic? You think that that's going to make a difference? Uh, pros and cons with that. He's so good in the post carving out space uh, that he might lose some of that, but maybe he'll be better conditioned. Maybe he'll defend better. Like, a lot of things that he does well, the passing, the shooting, those should all still work. Uh, so it could be good. It, it could be a little bit of an adjustment for him as he has to transform his game. Usually being in better shape is good. Uh, but he used his weight well when he had it. So we'll see. I'm on, also not sure, even if it does help them, uh, I'm not sure it changes where they are in the league. They're, they're a good team, but a team that maybe I don't look at as, you know, in that top tier or even second tier of championship contenders. I, I think he, the Nuggets are, were in the middle of that either way. Talking NBA right now, talking NBA restart with uh, Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBA, NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Uh, jazz fans obviously curious, how much of a loss is Bogdanovich? So the question, how much of a loss is Bogdanovich? <laughs> I think huge. I, I rate him as the, the biggest loss, the biggest unexpected loss of anybody going into this bubble. Uh, with him, I, I saw the Jazz as a team with a championship chance a team that would need every break to go their way, but if it did, they could win a title. And without that, I probably have them as an underdog in the first round. Uh, he was such a superb scorer, fit so well, uh, provided that offensive punch. And I, I particularly think it's concerning for Utah uh, because of everything going on with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Uh, there's a chance for them to repair their relationship, and nothing helps more than winning. Uh, but it, it seems like things aren't completely smooth 
smoothed over yet, and nothing can exacerbate those problems more than losing. So at the time where if I'm the Jazz, I absolutely want to be at my best, and I don't think that's going to be possible without Bogdanovich. How do you think the social activism will mesh with the actual competition? I think that it's going to go well. You know, I think NBA players are capable of walking and chewing gum at the same time. They've been doing this for a while. We've seen plenty of players active on these fronts before doing things while excelling. I mean, LeBron is the prime example, but there are many others players who can balance it, and I think they'll continue to balance it, continue to uh, raise these important issues, and uh, continue to work just like a lot of people, right? You know, there are thousands of people protesting in the streets. A lot of them have jobs that they care about and do well at also. People can do more than one thing at once. So do you think this is going to cost the NBA a significant number of fans, a small number of fans, no fans at all? How much of an impact is it going to have on that end of it? Yeah, tough to say. Probably it costs them a small number of fans, but maybe build some loyalty from the fans they keep. I'm not sure if it'll gain new fans at this point. Uh, I think there will be a lot of performative fan losses, people who weren't that interested before pretending that they're so appalled and can never watch the NBA again when they really weren't watching the NBA that much in the first place. Like, if you like basketball, you like basketball. Like, if you don't care about the social justice messages players are espousing, that's fine. Uh, But to care so much that they're doing it that you don't watch basketball, uh, I don't really get that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm wondering if they have to up the ante because if everybody's kneeling, then by the 10th game, it's not really that newsworthy. Everyone's doing it, and it sort of becomes the way of life. So I'm wondering if you see them trying to approach it from a different aspect. You know, I do think kneeling is still a very highly effective form of protest. It's not as effective as it was a few years ago when Colin Kaepernick started doing it, and NBA players didn't. Right? They made a point to demonstrate during the national anthem, but said collectively, individually, we're not going to kneel. Nobody did. And that's when it was the most controversial. That's when it drew the most attention. And thankfully, uh, as part of that attention, there was at least some discussion of why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, that he was kneeling to protest racism, particularly through police brutality. And people were so up in arms about him kneeling, they had no choice but to at least talk a little bit about the issue, learn a little bit about the issue. And I think that will still continue. I think there are enough people who would be bothered by kneeling uh, that it will raise attention to the uh, important issue. So I think it's a, a still a very effective form of protest, even if it's not as effective as it used to be. LeBron is obviously going to do his thing on the social justice front. Is he going to get back to doing his thing in the NBA Finals? There were eight straight, and then there was a miss, but he was injured. They didn't have AD yet. How certain are you? And you see Houston's a dark horse. Clippers are contender. Can you put a number on the percentage chance the Lakers have of getting back to the Finals with LeBron? Yeah, I think it's less than 50% because I would favor the Clippers. Now, I do think the Lakers and Clippers are like the top two by far, uh, but the Rockets are looming. There are plenty of other teams in the West with all the variability that we talked about that could sneak in. So I, I think the Lakers are the second most likely team in the West, and that puts them, I don't know, somewhere around high 30% chance of making the finals, which is a big number. It sounds low to some people who might not understand odds. High 30% is a huge number for a team that's a Great credit to them, but the Clippers are awesome too, and it's a deep field with a lot of teams that have a chance. Have you determined, uh, I know we're not supposed to look at these games as I understand it, 
But in your mind, have you determined between LeBron and Antetokounmpo as MVP, or do you even have somebody else? Yeah, I think it's Giannis. He was, he was uh, I would say, nearly as good as James Harden offensively, and also my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. He was great. Uh, I think if the season continued, LeBron had an outside chance to catch Giannis. But as things stood, when, when things stopped, and that's when MVP is supposed to be chosen, honestly, I think LeBron was closer to James Harden for second and third than he was to Giannis for first. Is Giannis ready to win a championship? And if not, what is the missing piece of the puzzle? You know, he, he might be. Uh, I don't think he was ready last year. I don't think there was a bigger believer in how good the Bucks were throughout the season last year than me. But also recognize that they hadn't been tested in the playoffs. Uh, they had a, a tough series against the Raptors because the Raptors had so many veterans who knew the, the tricks of how to compete in the playoffs. I think there's something, too. You get deep in the playoffs, the attention is magnified, the level of play is magnified, all your flaws are exposed. Uh, you know, Giannis, we talked about his three-pointer. I think his ability to play off contact, to get bumped from his ideal spot inside, but still be able to convert, that will be a huge step for him. I think he's ready to take it. I think last year... Uh, really gave him that resolve, but we'll have to see. A lot of teams, almost all teams, all players who win a championship, they go through some playoff heartbreak first. Some of that happened for the Bucks last year, maybe enough, but maybe not. He's Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Dan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me.